the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. 602-508-0960. We were having a great conversation in the previous hour about teaching American history through the use of music. just came out kind of organically on uh, on hearing uh, one of our bumper songs, right? It was Tim McGraw's Southern Voice. And I was saying that there's three, three really three songs you, you could use to teach your children American history. And if you do... Um, let me know which one gelled the most. Uh, Neil, Neil Diamond, uh, got Done Too Soon. Obviously, Tug McGraw that I, I – Tug, Tim McGraw's um, song, Southern Voice, that I just mentioned. And the, the one I think most people know, which is Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Of course, there are other songs that are more specific that help children learn history and give them an interest in it. The whole point of Schoolhouse Rock was that. And while <laughs> – it's funny, if you look back at Schoolhouse Rock, we had a caller, was it Matt, earlier in the show. If you look back at some of the Schoolhouse Rock stuff, you think about how uh, how basic it was, how, uh, how rudimentary, I guess that's the word for it, how rudimentary it was. Uh, until you take a step back and realize most people probably don't understand what the – principles and the history is that goes on in those old schoolhouse rock, those 1970s educational pieces were about. Some of it was designed to get us ready for the bicentennial. Well, we have a centennial uh, sort of coming up. What, what are we calling it? I forget what we're calling it. Sesquicentennial. Is that it? With 200, right? Something like that in, uh, in uh, 2026. And the state of our um, understanding of civics, the state of our understanding of history is awful, awful. 50% of our high school students get an F in American history. Awful. As C.S. Lewis said, so much the easier to give a child propaganda when they are mis- or uneducated. That's the problem. That's why there's so much propaganda. I can go on on this for a long time. I don't mean to dominate it, but it was kind of interesting to me to put it together with a, with a date so pregnant or what used to be so pregnant a date like December 7th. I don't know, growing up or if any of you in years past, I don't know, were writing out a check. I don't even know if, if we write checks anymore. I do, but if most people do or not, I don't know. But when you would see a date like November, uh, December 7th, it's a little bit for me like a, like a, like a November 22nd. I always That date always meant something to me. I, I would pause and think about the, the poignancy, the pregnancy of that date. Does December 7th still have that? It was supposed to be a day in infamy that would live in infamy. Does it still have have that 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 punch, that ring, that pause, that um, that meaning to people? I, I don't know. I want to talk about it in a moment. Uh, but before I do, the most important voice is always yours. Let's go to Rick in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. My friend Seth, it's good to talk to it's you. It's been I'm a while. It's nice to talk off. to you. How are you, sir? 
Well, I'm doing great, thanks. You hit a grand slam today with your monologue, and the show has been just terrific. Oh, thank you, sir. And uh, so I would like to throw three things at you, Seth. Sure. And then I'll let you take off on whichever on, one. On the fourth? Whatever. Yeah. First of all. <laughs> on the fourth. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> First of all. All right. If you, you gave me, Rick, 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 if Rick, you yeah, gave yeah, me sir. four, if you gave me four things and then said, and then I'll let you put it all together, you know what I would say? That's the quintessence. <laughs> the uniting of the four things is what makes something quintessential. Okay. Hey, that's. We use that word all the time. I don't think people realize it's based on the four elements, earth, wind, fire, and uh, earth, wind, fire, and water. Yeah, yeah. When you unite them all, you have something that's quintessential. Yeah. Hey, that's The four essences, the four elements, yeah. A great science lesson. Yeah. I was just talking about it the other night. English lesson. It is. And it begs the question why earth, wind, and fire left out the fourth essence but well thank you brother that's why i love listening to your show because i always learn something thanks so here's here's my three things first of all your show is a patriotic show right i hope all shows are patriotic shows but i'd like to think certainly mine is but yours especially i'd like to think so we honor and love our country here so here's the question (laughs) okay where is the paul revere and the raiders bumper music Ooh. Ooh. okay now here's number two Here's number two, and this is a serious thing. First was less than serious, but this is serious. Yeah, it was kind of serious, your Paul Revere thing. That's yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. You know, it's something you got to think about. Yeah. Uh, number two, and and this disturbs my soul. Yeah. I think as a country we are in big trouble because we have a new American credo contra Kennedy. The new credo is, ask not what you can do for your country, ask what your your country can do for you. I agree with that. Uh, I agree with your your concern. Yeah. I I, I absolutely agree with your concern. Do do it again for those that – the the way Kennedy cast it, the way Kennedy pitched it was, ask not – how did he put it? Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do – for your country, right? That was right. The, that was the John F. Kennedy inauguration. Right. And it has now reversed now, itself to ask not what you can do for your country, but what your country can do for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid so. I um, I agree with you, and on the way to talking about it, I'll give you a, a little bit of personal history information, but, uh, okay. uh, personal history-based information. Okay. My first job out of law school was working for a um, judge in Boston whose name was Herbert Goodwin. Passed away. My first job out of law school. I was okay. clerking for Judge Herbert Goodwin. And I didn't know this at the time, but he was the brother-in-law of the historian Doris Kearns Goodwin. Oh. Uh, in other words, my boss, my judge boss, his brother was Richard Goodwin, Dick Goodwin, okay. who was Kennedy's speechwriter. I don't know if you ever saw the movie about the movie called Quiz Show about the scandals of the uh, of the um, the the television game show host scandals. The game show. Okay, he was portrayed. Dick Goodwin was portrayed in there by Rob Moore. But anyway, so uh, clerking for for this judge Herb, um, he let on at some point that his brother was Dick Goodwin um, and his. 
sister-in-law was Doris Kearns Gooden. And I said, I, I really only have one question for you, which was, did your brother write that line in Kennedy's inauguration? Because he was Kennedy's speechwriter. Uh, and huh? he said, actually, no. Kennedy put that in himself. And some of Kennedy's most memorable lines he wrote himself. Wow. It's kind of it's kind of an interesting asterisk to history. Yes, it is. Especially when we think of Kennedy. Um, well, as we now know, some of his work was was you know ghost written. Um, yeah. Beyond yeah. the speech writing, some of his I guess book work was. But it was kind of nice to hear that. It was it was kind of a nice little thing in history to know he, that he had some high thoughts. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, it all yeah, but, but beyond right. And to your point, beyond the high thought. He actually believed it, right? Anyone right, can, right. Yeah. <laughs> you you sometimes important. wonder if Bill Clinton was believing what his ghostwriters were writing. The era of yeah. big government is over. Did Bill Clinton really believe that, or did some speechwriter just kind right. of think that was a good thing? Good, good yeah. point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Okay, now, to my third point, yeah. and I don't want to be morbid, Okay. but, Seth, aren't a lot of the same people who are telling us we have to get vaccinated to save all these lives – the same people that 20 or 30 years ago were saying, were screaming, overpopulation yeah. is an existential pl- a threat yeah. to the planet. Yeah. You know, we got too many people. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, since, since, uh, since the 60s, uh-huh. since the 60s, the investment of the left has been to make certain that we think of ourselves as Americans as in the worst possible place we could be, that we are a sick country. I I was was thinking of the Barry Maguire song, We're we're on the Eve of Destruction. That that speaks to what you're talking about. You remember that song. Uh, It does. Bill, can you go out with the Eve of Destruction by... Do you mind doing that? Just going out with the Barry Maguire, Eve of Destruction? If you can, if you can. And um, so that is the 60s. And I, I was thinking about this. We'll do it. We'll come back with it. Rick, this is a big one. Okay. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Awful stuff, right? Awful stuff. That's the eve of destruction, Barry Maguire. Um, It was probably one of the top three or four protest songs of the 1960s, uh, the chorus, uh, of course, is uh, you tell me over and over and over again, my friend, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. But we are. This is uh, this is pertaining to Rick's call. Rick, are you still there, buddy? I'm still here, buddy. So yeah, since thanks, the Seth. mid-60s. Man, that brings back memories. Yeah, sure, doesn't it? Wow. And it's it's interesting, some of the lyrics, of course, uh, the Eastern world, but in any way, in any event, this was one of the most popular songs of the 60s, trying to convince us we were on the eve of destruction. There's this investment yeah. in America being um, not only responsible for all the evils, but that the evils are here and present and knocking at our door. I was reading for some historical project I was working on or, uh, some years ago. I was reading Richard Nixon's 1968 speech to the Republican convention where he accepted the nomination for the presidency in 1968. And he had a really interesting uh, line in his speech. He was talking, you may recall, 
people wrote a lot about this, still do a little bit. He was talking about the quiet Americans, you know, the the, the non-protesters, you know, the non-shouters, the non-screamers, the people who go to work every day and just try and do their job. Right. And right. he had this line in here, 1968, he said, they are not racists or sick. They are not guilty of the crime that plagues the land. And I thought, okay, I get the racism thing. We've We've been going through that for a long time. Crime, of course, too. Why did he say sick? They are not sick. And I did some – it wasn't easy, but I, I did some research. This was a thing. Maybe you maybe you or others remember it, uh, meaning no disrespect, but maybe you do. This was a thing going on in 68 that America was a sick country, and it came out of an editorial from the L.A. Times. This was this was a theme of the left. This was a theme of the Democrats. America was a sick country, and it wasn't because of um, a virus from China or Hong Kong or anywhere else. Um, it was, you know, because of crime, because of race. We were a sick country. And Nixon was saying we are not a sick country. You know, ultimately he won the presidency. But there, shortly thereafter – Shortly thereafter, about 1970, it was. Uh, you're right that 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 professor Paul Ehrlich out of uh, Stanford came out with the thesis of the population bomb, which said that you know the entire world would uh, disappear because of overpopulation, and that was the new th- fear and the new threat knocking on our door. And as that proved more and more not to be the case. They had to the crisis industrial complex repackage, I guess, new Coke back into old Coke, and they gave us um, they gave us nuclear winter. Right. They right. Uh, uh, God, who was the who, who was that scientist? Everyone can remember what he looked like. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Carl Sagan. Thank you yeah. very much. Carl Sagan was. You know, giving going around debating Bill Buckley around the country, talking about the dangers of nuclear winter and affixing it to Ronald Reagan's presidency. The election of Ronald Reagan will be around a nuclear war. There's a terrible ad in 1984 in the reelection campaign of Reagan. Awful ad the Mondale folks used showing kindergartners looking out their window, watching the world explode in a nuclear uh, holocaust. Awful. Awful. This is not new. Of course, you had the Daisy ad with Goldwater years before that, but but they did it again in 1984. Uh Um, Awful thing to use children that way. And, of course, the irony is that Reagan didn't create nuclear war. He signed one of the biggest nuclear treaties with the Soviet Union in the history of the Soviet Union, the intermediate uh, the INF Treaty, Intermediate Nuclear Force Reduction Treaty, uh, and obviously ended the Cold War without firing a shot, as Margaret Thatcher said. So after that, the crisis industrial complex got their ad guys together, got into the back room, wrote memos and figured out, aha, it's the environment. And right. lo and behold, we've been from Al Gore to Greta Thunberg watching ecosystems before our very eyes disappear. Yeah, Yeah, we're always on the eve of destruction to the left because they want us in panic. They want us in fear. Because when you have a population in panic and fear, they will swallow and follow any demagogue who can provide the solution. And unfortunately, all of them are in the service 
of Marxism, unfortunately, or yes. leftism, yeah. or appeasement yeah. of communism. One of those three. One of those yeah. three. Crisis industrial complex is a very apt description because t- tied in with uh, what I was uh, just talking about there, uh, you know, the overpopulation thing. Well, it, it hasn't been too many years ago that there was a big deal about the overuse of penicillin and like drugs that were uh, because they were overused, they were creating superbugs. That is were that right? I forgot that one. I don't know where I would have been with. <laughs> Yeah, I believe you. Yeah, really. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, and so it's. I mean, you're right. It's just one thing after the other. Unbelievable. Seth, this has been a quintessential call. I, 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 <laughs> I didn't address it. What was it? Here. I didn't do the Paul. I didn't have a good answer to the Paul Revere. What was your second point? Uh, the the second point was the uh, new American credo. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So and, uh, that is what the welfare wait. state has. Um, has has begot has has birthed us has given yeah. us that well, is what it has state, created yeah the welfare state and the education system you bet. i mean on television there's ad after ad after ad you can get free stuff get what you deserve you know uh, uh call this number and make sure that you're getting all your benefits and this i mean it just goes on and do they on really and say on. get what you deserve do they say that they really do yeah yeah all uh uh, do you ever watch – I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for – I don't mean to promote it. I just – I like it, okay? I'm not I'm not promoting it. I just happen to like a series called Yellowstone. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Oh, I've heard it, but okay. I have not seen it. Well, there's an interesting um, storyline mm-hmm. in there where there there's a, a young kid, eight, nine, something like that maybe, ten, yeah. probably ten. And they, um, they're they kind of rescuing him, this family. It's kind of like the Ewing family <laughs> of oil. It's the Ewing oh. family of ranching or something like that, you know. Yeah. And yeah. they're kind of taking him in because he's lost his mom and dad. And, you know, he's he's kind of a, a, rast- a, a rapscallion. You know, he's, he's he needs some help. Let's just yeah. put it that way. So they're putting him probably a pretty good way to train a kid into into a good ethos. They're putting him on the ranch and teaching him about how to clean the stables and horses and stuff like that. Yeah. And the and the thing that his uh supervisor overseer keeps telling him. And it's interesting. He keeps telling him, "Just remember, you don't deserve any of this." It's an interesting lesson to teach kids, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. None of wow. us do, he says. You don't deserve any of this. None of us do. I forgot wow. the second part, which is equally important. You don't deserve it. Rick, God bless you, sir. Thank you. God bless you, Seth. Thanks we'll be for right a great back. call. He is a great singer, man. He is a great singer. Me and listener Bill in the audience, not producer Bill, but listener Bill, I think we're right. He's he's He's... Anyway, love Neil Diamond. Uh, I uh, I have to do this. I haven't addressed that the communications director for Kamala Harris resigned about a day or two ago. And I I didn't know of her work until about a year ago. She was originally the press secretary of the comms director for Bernie Sanders when he was running for president. Uh, that stopped and she went over to do – Uh, that work, that job for Kamala Harris. She's now left. The thing I remember most during the campaign was back in the 
long ago in faraway days. You remember this when Donald Trump was in trouble for calling calling the uh, coronavirus uh, the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus? What? And 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 she was being interviewed by Neil Cavuto, who um, who I think knows less than every guest he interviews. He was being interviewed by Neil Cavuto about this, this um, spokeswoman for Bernie Sanders, and then later the Biden Biden Harris campaign about why why they were so angry about this. And she was talking because it's racist against Chinese and how we don't name other viruses after geographical entities. She spoke then of, uh, I think, Lyme disease and the Ebola virus as examples. That's someone who was miseducated and subject to propaganda, as C.S. Lewis said. And I don't know how many people were watching it or how many people think it or what led her to think it. But it ain't true of Lyme, (laughs) which is a place, and Ebola, which is a river. Um, So, you know... Seeing her leave the Harris – I mean I don't care who works for Kamala Harris. I really don't right now. But I just – it was something I remembered. This is is what we're dealing with. When we have press secretaries for the vice president who are that dumb, it made me think of, you know, what's the worst thing Dan Quayle did that the media made fun of him for being an idiot? Was it misspelling potato? Something like that. I mean, these people do it on a routinely and daily basis, practically, a routine and daily basis. But, you know, if it's Dan Quayle, if it's Dan Quayle, by the way, um, well, it's too morbid to say. I'll just leave it alone. But think about what they said about Bob Dole the last two days and then go back and listen. If you missed the show yesterday, read what they said about him in 1976, 1988, 1996. Racist, racist, racist. This is what they do. Uh, but this was just too delicious to ignore. Steve Hayward over the Powerline blog. Kamala on the job. Amidst the terrible beating Vice President Kamala Harris is taking in the media right now, the Democratic National Committee wants you to know that she's doing very important work on crucial issues at the top of the public's mind. Or so declares this press release from the DNC today. May I read it to you? For immediate release, December 7th. No one over there thought December 7th should say something else, per my earlier point. December 7th, for immediate release. Here's the headline. Vice President Kamala Harris continues to lead. Breaking news. Continues to lead. Jury's still out. Breaking news. Jury's still out. Vice President Kamala Harris continues to lead on maternal mortality Issues. Vice President Harris has been a leader on tackling the United States maternal mortality and morbidity crisis with a specific focus on the disparate impact on black women. The black is capitalized. The work continues today as she kicked off the first ever White House Maternal Health Day of Action. Maternal health is an issue that the vice president has championed for a long time and has been an important focus for the Biden-Harris administration. Steve writes... Significant that this comes from the DNC and not the White House. Also, Harris continues to lead on this issue. She had this job all along and we're just now hearing about it. You can hear Biden not now. Heck of a job, Kamala. 
It's as if George H.W. Bush's administration had put out a note after Dan Quayle's potato gaffe that Quayle was being put in charge of the National Spelling Bee. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. Good afternoon, Seth. I've got a couple of songs for you. Good afternoon to uh, you. Thank make, you. Yes, I was making out the list, but uh, people kept calling, and you were mentioning some of them because I had Bob Dylan's Hurricane. Oh, my gosh. So there's now three Bob Dylan fans in my audience. Okay. It's a it's a conspiracy. Yeah, evidently. Evidently. Okay. Yes. But anyway, uh, number one on my list is John Fogarty's I Saw It on TV. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Because it goes all the way back to Eisenhower, yeah. Sputnik, the space race, and the whole thing yeah. there. Yeah. That's, a good, that's yep. one I never thought of. I hadn't thought of in that f- in, in forever. That You're right. That's right. And yeah. does it go back to Eisenhower? I'm trying to remember it. Yeah, I guess yeah, it, it does. Yeah, it seems to me there's a mention in the beginning of the song about Eisenhower. Okay. Yes, sir. Nice. Okay. It, it seems to me. It, it it was a real obscure song on his first album, Center Field. But anyway, uh, you had also said something about you talking about uh, country western yeah. people that had passed away. Yeah. Uh, I think last year, Kenny Rogers Yeah, he did too. I don't think he was a COVID uh, casualty, but yeah, that was the big one. I remember yep. the line and at the time was uh, just when he ne- just when when just when we needed Kenny most, he walked away and ran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just dropped in to see what condition. Well, condition yeah, it wasn't was a good it. one, was it? <laughs> yeah. Do people yeah, realize that was Kenny Rogers in the first? What was it? The first edition? Yeah. Yep. That's about the fourth yeah. reference to the Big Lebowski on this show today. By the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, there, there, an, another one, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's something along the lines of uh, if there's a rock and roll heaven, uh, they've got a hell of a band that talks about Janice gave us um, oh, a the, piece of her is, heart. And uh, is that the Righteous, the, the Righteous Brothers? Yeah, that maybe? might be, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah the Righteous Brothers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shortly after Janice Joplin died, I think. Yeah, after they all died. Yeah, Jim Morrison. Well, after and, all of them uh, would have, yeah, obviously. Oh, this, yeah, <laughs> okay. all, yeah, all of those because they're all they've got a line to each one. Because I was racking my brain trying to think because you were looking for ones like the we didn't start the yeah, fire. Yeah, like covered a yeah. whole bunch of subjects. Yeah, yeah. they hit a whole <laughs> bunch of subjects. Exactly. Yeah, right. and there was another one somebody wrote back along that same time. It makes references to JFK and Bobby. Kennedy and MLK. I think it might be called Martin, Martin something. Martin, yeah, Martin, yeah, there's that one. And even I was going to, maybe, maybe American Pie? Yes. Maybe American Pie. And I'll tell you why I say it. If you go online and search for that song, what's the official name of that song? Um it might be American Pie. Is that the official name of that song? I don't know. Bye Bye Miss American Pie. Um, there are some videos that explain it, and it really is very interesting what 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 he was doing in there. Uh, it's it really is. Um, actually, there's in fact a lot about uh, a lot about um, Bob Dylan in there. Uh, Don McLean's American Pie. The Jester. Buddy Holly. The Jester. American yeah, it starts Pie, with yeah. Buddy Holly, mm-hmm. but. 
Uh, but he goes the through the Stones. gesture. He goes through the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, other parts of America. John Kennedy is, is certainly in there. Martin Luther King is certainly in there. I don't remember. Maybe Bobby Kennedy. But it's an interesting video to watch. American Pie Explained or something like that would be the way to, to search it. There's an awful lot of history in there, too. It's it's a uh, it's it, it's 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 mostly about music. It's funny, isn't it? That most when, when musicians do history, most of them are about people in their industry, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of interesting. A couple more. Yes, sir. Uh, the Boontown Rats. I don't like Mondays. I don't like again. Mondays. It's a specific subject. Yeah. Uh, Is that that kind of uncomfortable years. subject? A little bit. Is that what yeah. I'm thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Next one, it might be looking into future, but as uh, Zager and Evans in the year twenty five twenty five. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. And and there was a, also there's a lot of controversy surrounding the song by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Ohio. Yeah, and so because, was that all of Crosby, Stills and Nash, or was that just Neil Young? No, that was all of them. Was it? You're probably it, it right. Might be without Young. Pardon. It might be without Young. It was just Crosby, Stills, and well, Nash. Well, the reason I thought it was Neil Young was because Leonard Skinner did so. Didn't they? Didn't they do a response? Am I mis? Is I, am I misremembering this? That Leonard Skinner uh, dis, dis, well, they said, did a response uh, where they had the lyrics around, Neil Young will remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was because of the song when he did Southern Man. Ah, oh, that's what it was. That's it. That's it. You're right. Thank you. Yep. How do you know all and, this, Mike? You got me. You corrected me on something big and important. You're right. I don't know. I just um, comment kind of a rock and roll, you know. You can learn a lot of and, culture and history. And I guess culture is the wrong thing to add because it's self-defining, but it's self-evident. But you can learn a lot of history through music. I've always loved music for that. It can explain the moment in history. It teaches a lot about history. There's a lot to learn. Even about old songs, you know? I just think there's a lot mm-hmm. of history in this stuff, in the smarter ones anyway. That's for sure. Oh, and one, one other thing off topic. You were you had mentioned the people that didn't understand how certain diseases got their names. I have another one to add to the list, and that's called German measles. Oh, my gosh, there are so many. I was doing a, um, I was doing a broadcast early on where Ronald Reagan was— uh, remember how he used to do his radio broadcasts and they were little news stories, uh, three or four minute news news editorials in the 70s? And he was talking about the Hong Kong flu, the Hong mm-hmm. Kong flu. Who knew there was such a thing as the Hong Kong flu? I'd forgotten about it if I ever learned about it. That was stalking the land circa 19, I don't know, 69, 1970. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean yep. – uh, they, there's so many. It's it's just laughable that people think that you know calling it the China virus. It was so laughable to me that you wonder how far down the spiral we can go. And we realized we had a lot farther to go when then Governor Andrew Cuomo started calling it the European virus to deliberately take it away from China and make it a white thing. Do you remember that? He would call it the European yes, virus. He didn't even he call it coronavirus. It he called it the European virus. Yeah. Well, he, wasn't he the one that said something about America's never been great? He did say that during the American greatness campaign of Donald Trump. He said yep. the truth is America was never that great. 
That was not the truth. The truth was the Cuomo brothers were never that great. We're finding out, aren't we? <laughs> no, well, I'm uh, taking – uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, gosh, I wish I had time to – maybe I'll do this with Hugh Hallman. It's unfair to him. He's coming in. I, I think Lewis has a buy on today, but we'll have Hugh Hallman in, former mayor of Tempe. And um, never the, there's a column I want to share with you, and it's contra, it's it's a little tough. It's in the New York Post, and it's by this very interesting writer. I had her on a couple mm, weeks ago, maybe not more. Bacha Unger Sargon. She's the assistant or deputy editorial director of the news of Newsweek magazine and she has a I think a pretty interesting provocative column about Chris and Andrew Cuomo being fired for the wrong misdeeds I'd like to share that with you and Hugh and get your take maybe I'll do that in the next segment we'll be right back Right. I, I haven't had a chance to get to the importance of this date, and uh, I want to. Um, it's It's got a lot of meaning historically, obviously. There's no smaller way to put it than that. That's the smallest one could say about December 7th. <clears throat> um, in my own life, I, my, my, my dad was in World War II. He fought in, in, in the Pacific Theater. He fought in the Battle of Okinawa and then, believe it or not, occupied Hiroshima shortly after the bomb. But my mom was uh, eight years old on December 6th, and her birthday was on December 7th, 1940. Her birthday party was on December 7th, 1941. Is that still a thing where you don't have your birthday party on the day of the – yeah, I guess it is. So it was a day later for whatever reason, and uh, she said no one showed. No one came. Uh, obviously the smallest part of it too, but just personal memories I have. I want us to kind of marshal – the virtues and ethos of what Winston Churchill wrote in uh, The Gathering Storm, Volume 3 of his history of World War II, about what his views were of December 7th. He wrote, silly people, and there were many, not only in enemy countries. They might discount the force of the United States. Some said they were soft, others that they would never be united. They would fool around at a distance. They would never come to grips. They would never stand bloodletting. Their democracy and system of recurrent elections would paralyze their war effort. They would be just a vague blur on the horizon to friend or foe. Now we should see the weakness of this numerous but remote, wealthy, and talkative people. But I had studied the American Civil War, fought on the last desperate, fought out to the last desperate inch. American blood flowed in my veins. I thought of a remark which Edward, Edward Gray had made to me more than 30 years before, that the United States is like a giant boiler. Once the fire is lighted under it, there's no limit to the power it can generate. Being saturated and satiated with emotion and sen sensation, I went to bed that night and slept the sleep of the saved and thankful. When Winston Churchill knew that America was attacked, he knew World War II was going to end up in the Allied victory because the United States would now enter the war and prevent the burning out and blowing out 
of the, all the moral lights around us. When we are good, as Aristotle said, we are the best of animals. When we are divorced from justice, we are the worst. Not Americans, humans, but you could say the same thing about Americans. Hugh Hallman coming up and in. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 